It's August the 5th. Let's read the Bible. Friends, welcome back to this year-long journey from Genesis to Revelation in just one year. Here we are. We're in the early days of August. I hope you're having a wonderful summer. Maybe you've had a vacation, been to the beach, been to the lake, been to the mountains, been on a cruise. I don't know. I hope you've had a few days off. School starts soon. Thank you for joining us here during these summer months. Thank you for your prayers and your encouragement. And we are deep in the book of Job, and we're going to get to that, Job 4 through 8, in just a moment. But let me remind you, if you are just now starting on this journey, you need, you need to go to keepbelieving.com and download the guide, the Bible reading guide. It'll show you where we've been starting in January, where we are today, and the books and chapters we're going to cover day by day from now until the end of the year. So go to keepbelieving.com. You'll see a little, you'll see a, a heading that says, let's read the Bible. Click on that. There's a drop down menu and you can see, just click on the guide. The PDF will download to your cell phone, to your laptop, and then you can follow along with us. Always great to have comments from our friends. We've got a couple today from the East Coast. Shirley writes and says, greetings, Pastor Ray from Florida. Hi, Shirley. And then Linda writes and says, I appreciate your work for the Lord. I loved and was blessed to meet you at Living Waters Campground, which was hosting the pastor's retreat in Danforth, Maine. Marlene and I have been to Living Waters uh, Bible Camp, the, the conference center there in Danforth, Maine, many times. We love Living Waters. I think this was probably 10, 12, maybe even 13 years ago that I spoke at the pastor's retreat there. Some of the best Christians and best uh, pastors I've ever met are up in the Northeast. Love the state of Maine. Hello to everybody from Maine or New Brunswick. You know, Danforth is right there. The, the, there's Danforth, then there's the lake, and the other side is Canada, the, the province of New Brunswick. So hello to all of our Canadian friends and all of our friends up in Maine. Thank you for all of your comments, and thank you for your prayers. Now today, Job chapters 4 through 8. A quick reminder, Job was a real person. This is a real story. It was written probably 4,000 years ago, about the time of Abraham, 2000 BC. Uh, Job was a man who lived in the land of Uz, which was an area somewhere to the east of the Dead Sea, a pretty rocky area, modern-day Jordan, ancient land of Edom. It deals with the question, why do the righteous suffer? And where is God when, when bad things seem to happen to people who love the Lord? And of course, the theme verse, Job 23, 10, he knows the way that I take. When he's tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Yesterday, I gave you the question that Satan asked the Lord. It kind of frames the whole book. Does God, does Job serve God for nothing? That is to say, is Job's faith based on nothing but trusting God? Or have you bribed him into trusting you by giving him a wife and giving him life and health and blessing and kids and, and, and land and herds and fields and crops and all of this? The Lord, you've given him all these blessings. Of course, anybody in that condition would, would trust you. But you take that away, Job will curse you to your face. face. That was Satan's argument. And we're going to find out in this book whether or not that is true. Simple outline of the book, disaster, debate, deliverance. 
Disaster chapters 1, 2, and 3, Debate chapters 4 through 37, and Deliverance chapters 38 through 42. And then obviously that middle section on debate, the one that goes from 4 through 37, that's the heart of the book. It breaks down into three rounds of debate. Round 1, chapters 4 through 14. Round 2, 15 through 21. Round 3, uh, 22 through 31. And then finally, young man by the name of Elihu comes on the scene and he shuts everybody down. That's chapters 32 through 37. Who are these three friends? Eliphaz, the Temanite, Bildad, the Shuhite, Zophar, the Naamathite. They were Job's friends who, when they saw him with, uh, covered with the boils and scraping with scraping his, his sores and boils or hurting him so much and scraping himself with the broken pottery. His wife has said, why don't you just curse God and die? He's lost his kids and all the rest of it. They were so shocked. For seven days, they sat with Job in silence. Now, we've heard about Job's friends. We've heard about how Job called them miserable comforters. Let me just remind you of one thing. Were they truly his friends? Yes, they were. And they only got in trouble when they opened their mouth. As long as they sat there in silence, Job could be comforted. But once they tried to explain the situation to Job, things went from bad to worse. So in chapter 3, Job has said, I wish I had never been born. Ever felt that way? Ever felt that life has been so unfair to you, you wish you'd never shown up on planet Earth? Now we're going to get a series of replies. So we're going to begin to read now in Job 4 that Eliphaz the Temanite replied, understand he's answering Job's complaint. Should anyone try to speak with you when you are exhausted? Yet who can keep from speaking? Indeed, you've instructed many and have strengthened weak hands. Your words have steadied the one who was stumbling and braced the knees that were buckling. But now that this has happened to you, you've become exhausted. It strikes you and you were dismayed. Isn't your piety, your confidence, and the integrity of your life, your hope? Consider who has perished when he was innocent. Where have the honest been destroyed? In my experience, those who plow injustice and those who sow trouble reap the same. They perish at a single blast from God and come to an end by the breath of his nostrils. The lion may roar and the fierce lion growl, but the teeth of the young lions are broken. The strong lion dies if it catches no prey, and the cubs of the lioness are scattered. A word was brought to me in secret. My ears caught a whisper of it. Among unsettling thoughts from visions of the night, when deep sleep comes over me, and fear and trembling came over me and made all my bones shake. I felt a draft on my body, and the hair on my body stood up. A figure stood there, but I could not recognize its appearance. A form loomed before my eyes. I heard a whispering voice. Can a mortal be righteous before God? Can a man be more pure than his maker? If God puts no trust in his servants, and he charges his angels with foolishness, how much more are those who dwell in clay houses, whose foundation is in the dust, who are crushed like a moth. They are smashed to pieces from dawn till dusk. They perish forever while no one notices. Are their tent cords not pulled up? They die without wisdom. Job 5, Eliphaz is still speaking. Call out, will anyone answer you? Which of the holy ones will you turn to for anger kills a fool 
and jealousy slays the gullible. I have seen a fool taking root, but I immediately pronounced a curse on his home. His children are far from safety. They are crushed at the city gate with no one to rescue them. The hungry consume his harvest, even taking it out of the thorns. The thirsty pant for his children's wealth, for distress does not grow out of the soil, and trouble does not sprout from the ground. But humans are born for trouble, as surely as sparks fly upward. However, if I were you, I would appeal to God and would present my case to him. He does great and unsearchable things, wonders without number. He gives rain to the earth and sends water to the fields. He sets the lowly on high, and mourners are lifted to safety. He frustrates the schemes of the crafty so that they achieve no success. He traps the wise in their craftiness so that the plans of the deceptive are quickly brought to an end. They encounter darkness by day, and they grope at noon as if it were night. He saves the needy from their sharp words and from the clutches of the powerful. So the poor have hope, and injustice shuts its mouth. See how happy is the person whom God corrects. So do not reject the discipline of the Almighty, for he wounds, but he also bandages. He strikes, but his hands also heal. He will rescue you from six calamities. No harm will touch you in seven. In famine, he will redeem you from death and in battle from the power of the sword. You will be safe from slander and not fear destruction when it comes. You will laugh at destruction and hunger and not fear the land's wild creatures. For you will have a covenant with the stones of the field and the wild animals will be at peace with you. You will know that your tent is secure and nothing will be missing when you inspect your home. You will also know that your offspring will be many and your descendants like the grass of the earth. You will approach the grave in full vigor as a stack of sheaves is gathered in its season. We have investigated this and it is true. Hear it and understand it for yourself. That's the end of Eliphaz's first argument. Basically saying, if only you'll get right with God, he'll deliver you. What's Job going to say back? Job 6. Then Job answered, If only my grief could be weighed and my devastation placed with it on the scales, for then it would outweigh the sand of the seas. This is, that is why my words are rash. Surely the arrows of the Almighty have pierced me. My spirit drinks their poison. God's terrors are arrayed against me. Does a wild donkey bray over fresh grass or, a, or an ox low over its fodder? Is bland food eaten without salt? Is there flavor in an egg white? I refuse to touch them. They are like contaminated food. If only my request would be granted and God would provide what I hope for, that he would decide to crush me, to unleash his power and cut me off, it would still bring me comfort. Then I would leap for joy and unrelenting pain that I have not denied the words of the Holy One. What strength do I have that I should continue to hope? What is my future that I should be patient? Is my strength out of stone or my flesh made of bronze? Since I cannot help myself, hope for success has been banished from me. A despairing man should receive loyalty from his friends, even if he abandons the fear of the Almighty. My brothers are as treacherous as a wadi, as seasonal streams that overflow and become darkened because of ice and the snow melts into them. The wadis evaporate in warm weather. They disappear from their channels in hot weather. Caravans turn away from their roots and go up into the desert and perish. The caravans of Tima look for these streams. The traveling merchants of Sheba hope for them. 
they are ashamed because they had been confident of finding water. When they arrive there, they are disappointed. So that is what you've now become to me. When you see something dreadful, you are afraid. Have I ever said, give me something or pay a bribe for me from your wealth or deliver me from the enemy's hand or redeem me from the hand of the ruthless? Teach me and I will be silent. Help me understand what I did wrong, how painfully honest words can be. But what does your rebuke prove? Do you think you can disprove my words or that a despairing man's words are mere wind? No doubt you would cast lots for a fatherless child and negotiate a price to sell your friend. But now look at me. I, I will not lie to your face. Reconsider. Don't be unjust. Reconsider. My righteousness is still the issue. Is there injustice on my tongue or can my palate not taste disaster? Job 7. He's not buying it. You get that? He's not buying this argument. Job 7. Job continues, Isn't each person consigned to forced labor on earth? Are not his days like those of a hired worker? Like a slave, he longs for shade. Like a hired worker, he waits for his pay. So I have been made to inherit months of futility, and troubled nights have been assigned to me. When I lie down, I think, when will I get up? But the evening drags on endlessly, and I toss and turn until dawn. My flesh is clothed with maggots and encrusted with dirt. My skin forms scabs and then oozes. My days pass more swiftly than a weaver's shuttle. They come to an end without hope. Remember that my life is but a breath. My eye will never again see anything good. The eye of anyone who looks on me will no longer see me. Your eyes will look for me, but I will be gone as a cloud fades away and vanishes. So the one who goes down to Sheol will never rise again. He will never return to his house. His hometown will no longer remember him. Therefore, I will not restrain my mouth. I will speak in the anguish of my spirit. I will complain in the bitterness of my soul. Am I the sea or a sea monster that you keep me under guard? When I said my bed will comfort me and my couch will ease my complaint, then you frighten me with dreams and terrify me with visions so that I prefer strangling death rather than life in this body. I give up. I will not live forever. Leave me alone for my days or a breath. What is a mere human that you think so highly of him and pay so much attention to him? You inspect him every morning and put him to the test every moment. Will you ever look away from me or leave me alone long enough to swallow? If I have sinned, what have I done to you, watcher of humanity? Why have you made me your target so that I have become a burden to you? Why not forgive my sin and pardon my iniquity? For soon I will lie down in the grave. You will eagerly seek me, but I will be gone. Job's suffering is so great. He wishes to die. He's ready to die. And uh, he wishes that God, who's brought this on him, I mean, Satan did it, we know, but Satan couldn't do anything without God's permission. So, still in round one, Eliphaz is done. Bildad the Shuhite's going to speak, Job 8. Then Bildad the Shuhite replied, How long will you go on saying these things? Your words are a blast of wind. Does God pervert justice? Does the Almighty pervert what is right? 
Since your children sinned against him, he gave them over to their rebellion. But if you earnestly seek God and ask the Almighty for mercy, if you are pure and upright, then he will move even now on your behalf and restore the home where your righteousness dwells. Then, even if your beginnings were modest, your final days will be full of prosperity. For ask the previous generation and pay attention to what their ancestors discovered. Since we were born only yesterday and know nothing, our days on earth are but a shadow. Will they not teach you and tell you and speak from their understanding? This papyrus grow where there is no marsh. Do reeds flourish without water? While still uncut shoots, they would dry up quicker than any plant, any other plant. Such is the destiny of all who forget God. The hope of the godless will perish. His source of confidence is fragile. What he trusts in is a spider's web. He leans on the web, but it doesn't stand firm. He grabs it, but it does not hold up. He is a well-watered plant in the sunshine. His shoots spread out over his garden. His rocks are intertwined around a pile of rocks. His roots are intertwined around a pile of rocks. He looks for a home among the stones. If he's uprooted from his place, it will deny knowing him, saying, I never saw you. Surely this is the joy of his way of life. Yet others will sprout from the dust. Look, God does not reject a person of integrity and he will not support evildoers. He will yet fill your mouth with laughter and your lips with a shout of joy. Your enemies will be clothed with shame. The tent of the wicked will no longer exist. You know, we're going to end right there. The problem with Job's three friends is not that they didn't know truth. They certainly knew the truth that God is righteous and that he punishes sin and that evildoers will come to a bad end. The righteous will be rewarded. That's true. And what I'm saying is, when you read Eliphaz and when you read Bildad and when you read what Zophar says, it's not all wrong. A lot of it is true. The problem is they're applying it to Job in a wrong way. They look at Job and all his suffering, and their conclusion is, you must have been a terrible person to have suffered like this. Job's argument back, as we're going to see it develop, is, boys, it's not that simple. It's not that simple. Job, we're already told early in the book that Job was a man of absolute integrity, who believed in God, who took care of his family. He was a righteous man who walked in integrity. And, and the problem, the problem of the book of Job, very similar to the story in John chapter 9. Remember, not that long ago, we were in the gospel of John, John 9, the man born blind. And when the disciples saw the man born blind, they said, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he should be born blind? They were thinking exactly along the lines of Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar. They reasoned that a man born blind must have been that way because of some sin he committed or some sin his parents committed. And Jesus said, neither, neither, this is not. This man was born blind in order that the glory of God might be manifest in his life. God intended that Jesus would heal him from his blindness. Let us just stop here and make the observation it's true. Man is born for trouble. Eliphaz said that, and he's right about that. Man is born for trouble, 
as the sparks fly upward. Be careful about looking at the suffering of others and assuming that the suffering is the judgment of God because of some particular... How are you going to... I mean, how are you going to look at somebody who's come down with colon cancer or somebody who's had a heart attack or somebody whose children have gotten sick and maybe the children have even died? How can you be so sure that any of that is a judgment on them because of their sin? No one, no one can know. No one can know the why of the hard questions of life except our God. That is why the statement Job's going to come to is so important. He knows the way that I take. God knows we don't. We'll stop right there. Just remember. God knows who you are. God knows where you are. God knows what you are. God knows why. God knows what he's doing. How many times have I said that this year? God knows what he's doing, even when we don't have a clue. And with that hope and in that confidence in the sovereign goodness of our God, in good days and in bad days, go out, friends. Have a great day with the Lord. Come back tomorrow. We're going to hear Job's answer to Bildad and more. God bless. See you then.